Hello, my field daisies. Welcome to the sixth episode of Daisy Days, the podcast. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different in the fact that I am not using my podcast voice and that we are not having any breaks in this podcast. I literally sat down and did the whole thing in one hour and incorporated the sincere shout outs um, seamlessly. I really just wanted to try something different. Uh, Usually I do a lot of preparation for the podcast. I write a whole script, but today um, I just wanted to talk to y'all. So yeah, please excuse um, any uh, loudness because in order to really get not my podcast voice, I had to do it without my headphones. And so there are a lot of spikes I would have to warn you. Um, So um proceed with caution and just a quick life lesson for today um don't take social media so seriously um that's something that i have been really struggling with and the fact that i look at all these celebrities and influencers and even high school friends who have really bomb instagrams and i get majorly jealous or just think my life is not cool because i don't have um instagram worthy photos at the moment uh Instagram is not real life and uh, it's a, as everyone and everyone always says, it's a heightened version of reality and I think we just have to uh, remember that. And that leads me into today's topic of the day where I talk about Coachella and people faking going to Coachella, photoshopping themselves at Coachella, photoshopping them at vacations that they've never been to, as well as this rise of photo artists, people who are master Photoshop manipulators and master Lightroom creators who create these beautiful works of art. Um through photography and photo editing, as well as the dangers of photo manipulation and video uh, (laughs) manipulation. Uh, So get ready. It is a really exciting ride and I'm really proud of it and I hope you guys like it. So yeah, without further ado, roll the intro music. Hello, my ladies. Today's podcast episode is going to be a little different. Usually, I really meticulously plan out a script. Um, I do a bunch of research. And today, I just kind of want to go off the cuff and just ramble a little bit. I'm not even going to do my uh, quote-unquote podcast voice. This is my regular voice. Uh... For all of those <laughs> you who don't know, um, I don't even know. I don't even know how my podcast voice got started. It's just when I listen to my voice in headphones, that's just the voice that comes out. Um, currently, I have my headphones around my neck, so I'm talking normally. Um, I couldn't really decide. What, oh, I knew what I wanted to do, but I just really didn't want to plan it out. I kind of wanted to do something a little different. Uh, also, in in normal day life, I say like a lot. So if you want to play a drinking game, you can count how many times I say like. Or um, I think I say um a lot in my podcast voice too. But yeah, what I wanted to talk about was Coachella. Uh, 
the infamous Coachella, the music festival that everyone goes to or every celebrity or influencer goes to and everyone sees it on their Instagram and everyone either feels majorly jealous for not being there or they feel like it's overrated and that it's saturating their feed and it's annoying. Um, I can't, no one really doesn't care And that's interesting because other music festivals like Lollapalooza, Bonnaroo, they don't really get this hype that Coachella does. And maybe because it's close to Los Angeles and it's easy for celebrities or YouTubers to go, Um, but it's a big deal. And why I wanted to talk about it was really because of Gabby Hanna. Um, She's a YouTuber, uh, The Gabby Show, if you don't know her. She just recently changed her Instagram name to her actual name, kind of starting a new chapter for her life. But yeah, um, she faked going to Coachella, and she honestly fooled me completely. Like, I really thought she was there. The photos she posted were really authentic, and the reason why they were authentic is because she got this really, really good photographer uh, to edit her photos and um, make them look like she was at Palm Springs. And it wasn't until she released her um, Coachella video or how she faked going to Coachella that I realized it was a fake. And then I started Googling or YouTubing I faked going to Coachella and went down a rabbit hole of watching (laughs) people uh, faking going to Coachella. Like, it's not just her. Um, A lot of people do it and a lot of people have done it before her. And it's people all over the world. Like the like the um, last one I just watched is this YouTuber who's not very big at all. She has like um, like less than a hundred uh, f- subscribers. Uh, but yeah, she lives in Australia, and she basically, yeah. It's, it's crazy. She, like, changed her time to Los Angeles time. She, um, I don't know, photoshopped herself um, at Coachella. Like, she didn't have a professional photographer. She just photoshopped on her iPad. And, yeah, it's, it's funny to me that people are faking. And this is not even just a trend for Coachella. People have faked going to Italy, going to France, whatever, um... So yeah, I just got into this rabbit hole of watching people faking going to places and posting it on Instagram and making people believe that they're at these places or not making them believe that they're at these places. So there's these YouTubers called Nikki and Gabby and they faked going to Italy and um yeah they got caught so hard um i think they lived in pennsylvania and yeah they <laughs> they um went to an olive garden and tried to take a picture there um they went to uh starbucks and they got caught by the starbucks people like they posted an instagram of them uh, um, in a spa with a starbucks cup and then the people from starbucks commented i just saw you earlier in my starbucks you're not at italy you're a fake you are um cheating your fans and uh making them believe these lies and making them um 
yeah, jealous of you for no reason and making them jealous of your life for no reason. And I don't know, it's it's interesting because when I watched their video, I definitely felt that way. But when I was tricked by Gabby, um, Gabby Hanna, I like I didn't feel that way at all. Um, I thought it was I thought it was re- like it was such a good <laughs> prank or whatever. And I think it's because she made hers look so legit. Um, and it's funny because she didn't really get that much backlash either. But Nikki and Gabby got so much backlash for um, pretending to go to Italy that they had to stop their whole endeavor and. Yeah, their video does not have the lighthearted tone that a lot of these fake videos have. Um, And I was watching, so Josh Peck and David Dobrik, they did a video reviewing uh, Coachella fashion. Um, That's a big trend on YouTube as well, reacting to YouTuber or influencer or whatever Coachella outfits. Um, Because when you go to Coachella, Coachella, uh, you have to dress the part, um, and that means, uh, very revealing clothing that you would never wear in real life, um, like, basically just going in your underpants and, uh, fishnets and glitter all over your body, whatever, it's, it's a whole spectacle, really, and, What really interests me is not them necessarily reacting to the YouTuber Coachella outfits or while that was really entertaining. It's what David said at the end of the video about how Coachella um, Instagram posts do so well on on, um, Instagram. And that's a lot of the reason why people go to Coachella is for the gram. And that is, as pathetic as it sounds, is what a lot of the sentiment seems to be, I guess, among influencers. Like, they don't really like going, but they do it because uh, their posts get double the likes. And I checked all of these um, faked Coachella uh Instagrams of what their fake photos and um, I'll leave that as in my reference links for my Patreon subscribers, which I have none of right now. There are zero subscribers, but I'm still doing it because uh, I find it interesting and I want to have the receipts. So if you guys want to really dive deep with me and see what I'm talking about, I'm not just throwing facts up in the air with uh, willy nilly. I do actually watch these videos and stuff but yeah so like the Cole twins they faked going to Coachella they have 143,000 subscribers they live in uh, New Jersey or New York or something and they went to like a dog park and posted some photos um in cowboy hats or um who else uh Peyton Mishi uh she has 134,000 subscribers she went to Berkeley and faked some Coachella photos um I would have to say that the smaller uh channels don't seem to double their Instagram likes with their Coachella photos but Gabby um Hannah on the other hand she she, hold on, I'm like, I, I like I said, I don't have a script today, so I'm literally um, looking these up while <laughs> I talk, so let's see, um, yeah, 
I really have to show you, like, it looks so real what she did, but yeah, so her Coachella, like, okay, so the, <laughs> her Coachella, um, looks, right, they got, uh, like, okay, so her first Coachella looks got 502k, uh, hearts and 6,000 comments, while her other previous, like, her previous photo, which is just the candid, um, of her, um, like this leaning against out of a car got 402,000 hearts and 3,700, uh, ish comments. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I'm like scrolling quickly through her Instagram and usually it's like 200K, 300K. Um, some of her other photos get like 480K of her in some lingerie and a red robe, but her Coachella photos, they did not necessarily double, but definitely better. And uh, the photographer that she used, uh, Kellen's World, I think, and then some, and then some person named like Hit the Lights, um, I think. But yeah, I think Kellen was the one that actually edited, and maybe like Hit Them Lights was the guy that took the photos. But yeah, out on his Instagram, and his Instagram is a lot of highly edited uh, photos. Um, he he oftentimes does a before and after. Uh, but yeah, his Instagram is beautiful. Um, but all the photos that he takes, he, um, he edits them really heavily. So like, um, there's two girls on a blanket watching a rocket take off of space. And that's definitely not true. Uh, that's not what's really happening. They're probably just staring, um, at something that's not that pretty boring, you know, like just looking at some clouds or whatever. Uh, but that's something that I've really noticed too, is this, um, this really believable, highly edited, highly photoshopped photos that don't necessarily portray the world. Um, and I'm not saying this is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, of course, this could really majorly be manipulative and used in a bad way, but it almost seems at this point as a method or form of art. Uh, uh, Van Gogh and Michelangelo, their, their materials of paint and stone doesn't necessarily really apply in the 21st century digital age. No one's carving stone anymore, and if they are, they're posting it on Instagram, um, and hoping it gets likes. Uh, nowadays, I feel as if Photoshop is the brush of choice when it comes to um, artists. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I feel like um, these Instagram photographers, or let's not even call them Instagram photographers, let's just call them photo artists let's let's do photo artists these photo artists um are the modern day uh van goghs and michelangelos and they're not getting necessarily the credit and recognition as artists um that these previous artists have gotten and they're not necessarily known in the art circle or the high art uh fashion world whatever you don't see them at um at the Broad, Broad, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, it's like a Los Angeles art museum, but yeah, you don't see their work there, 
you don't even very few of them have prints available to uh, be purchased. And I think that is because with photos, um, you can have multiple multiple copies. There's, it's not just one one thing. There's not just one painting or one statue that 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 is the work of art and you have to preserve it to keep it. No, I mean, the modern day digital artists, uh, they have all the receipts. <laughs> they have all the proof, I guess, or they just, it's, maybe that's why it's not even considered art, um, because it is um, repetitive, replicable, replicable, um, um, and people can retweet it, reshare it uh, onto fan pages or inspirational pages. Um, and I'm wondering how that's going to be perceived a hundred years down the line. If we do make it a hundred years down the line, who knows what the world will look like then? I don't think Instagram's going to be around in a hundred years. Mostly because when Facebook is around, and it still is around, but I feel like it's very irrelevant now, um, that because I've seen MySpace, I've seen Facebook die out, um, I feel like uh, this Instagram lifestyle might not last. Once people stop posting, once people stop getting likes on it, they'll move on to the next big thing, whatever that is. Um, but I'm wondering if Instagram will become an archival site, maybe, um, maybe, uh, people will look back on it, uh, maybe when the internet's not a thing anymore, maybe there's a next big thing like VR and people living in 3D dimensions instead of, um, 2D, uh, scrolling through a phone, whatever, I can't even imagine what a hundred years will look like. But I'm wondering if Kellen's World or Miles of Color or um, trying to think some others, Brendan Wolfel, uh, all of these digital photo artists, these Photoshop masters, I wonder if their art, which I, because I honestly consider it art in a certain respect, um, I wonder if it will be treasured like art. Uh, like, you know, how we had the Impressionist period, um, medieval, I don't, I'm not an art history buff, but we had different phases of art, right? Um, uh, abstract, realism, etc. And I wonder if photo artists or digital art or photo manipulation will be um, considered a trend in the art world in the future, Um because I don't think necessarily that a lot of the Renaissance um, or the artists that we um, revel in today, like Van Gogh, we, they were not necessarily uh, popular or prolific during their time period. It was not until when they passed that people started considering their art um, the epitome of beauty of their time. So a lot of these people, like Kellen's World, the guy that edited um, Gabby Hanna's uh, fake Coachella uh, photos, he's 21 years old. And maybe that's another reason why a lot of these modern day digital photo artists, I don't even know what to call them. I'm just going to call them photo artists for now. Um, keep it keep it straight. Um, but yeah, these photo artists um, are really young. A lot of them are really young. Um 
And maybe that's why they're not being taken seriously. But maybe when they're like 40 years old or something, then people start recognizing uh, the beauty of it. Because I think uh, being able to replicate our, uh, of a digital artist, <laughs> photo artist's work is really powerful. Like I know art is supposed to be considered a commodity that's very rare um, to have the original work of an artist, to pay millions upon thousands of billions of dollars for an original work of art and how there's people that copy um, exact paintings um, and sell them as the artist's original and there's all these art historians that test the paint the, the date of the paint the year of the frames to, to really make sure this is an authentic van gogh and i'm using van gogh a lot because like i said i don't know a lot of art history so he's just the one that i go to but with photo artists that's not going to be a thing um they have stores. A lot of them have stores where you can buy prints, high quality prints of their quote unquote art. And I honestly think that's beautiful. Um, I, uh, in my, I, I was a media studies major um, at uh, UC Berkeley, MS Cal forever, hashtag MS Cal forever. And uh, we talked a lot about this notion of aura. Um, and I'm kind of stalling now because I'm trying to pull up my notes about Aura, uh, because I use Evernote, uh, and why not, let's, let's go ahead and do a sincere shout out, because, like, this is literally a stream of consciousness right now, I'm not pausing at all, and we're about 20 minutes in for me, and uh, without the intro, so we really should do a sincere shout out, and this is honestly a genuine sincere shout out, is Evernote. I love Evernote. If you don't have it and you're a college student or even a high school student that that um, the high school allows laptops or iPads, I sincerely recommend downloading this app. It is basically um, a notebook or a note-taking system, I would say. Um, I started using it in college and I still have all my notes on it. It's a free app. Um, you can upgrade if you want to have more devices. Um, because right now, if you do like the free version, you can only have two devices. And I'm wondering, let me see what, let me click go premium and see what that says. Because I'm wondering if you have a limited amount of storage. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been using it for over, uh, like throughout a whole of college and I would take multiple notes. I mean, I haven't really like been taking notes every day since I'm not in school anymore, but I haven't had a issue with, um, memory, but yeah. So, um, Aura, now that it's all pulled up, um, basically we, we did a whole lecture on visual technologies, right? Whenever the photograph came, uh, around and, um, <laughs> and back in the, um, olden days, um, Benjamin, uh, Benjamin, but Benjamin, I think is the way you pronounce his name. He was a theorist that talked about how, um, photography was going through a transformation and gaining flexibility and losing aura. Um, 
and Aura, I'm not going to read from my notes, going to try to off the cuff, off the cuff. Um, Aura is the, uh, it's like what I've been talking about with um, Van Gogh and paintings and trying to get the authentic copy. That is Aura. And I remember um, uh, Professor Jackson talking about the Mona Lisa, right? And how it is it is infamous. Everyone, everyone, no matter no matter where you are in the world, knows about the Mona Lisa. And I remember seeing it for the first time when I went to uh, Paris and the Louvre, and it was very underwhelming, just like Professor Jackson kind of said it would be, because when you actually go and see it, for one, it is extremely small, and there's hundreds upon thousands of people trying to squeeze in and get a photo um, with the painting. Um, I remember uh, we had to wait like 10 minutes or so for me just to get a photo with it by myself, and it was so awkward, and... Um, I felt so awkward, but yeah, if you look at my Instagram, because Instagram's, as we have talked about in the beginning of this episode of this podcast, is not necessarily real life. It is a heightened version of reality. It looks like I'm at the Louvre by myself, and oh, how 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 dare we think that there's other people at Coachella or there's other people in a museum? It's just us, right? I digress. Anyway, so this this awe, this feeling of awe and reverence when you see a work of art is being um, is diminishing with the photograph um, is what Ben Benjamin um, is uh, trying to say. He said that mass reproduction um, allowed people to see stuff when they want, uh, which makes it lose its aura. But is that really true? Because we see it everywhere, so it's not so special. But in a certain way, it becomes, to me, I think it's more special because you can Google the Mona Lisa. You can see an up-close version of it. You can see thousands, millions. Hold on, I'm about to Google Mona Lisa right now and like see how many churches come up. I'm going to Google Mona Lisa um, um, fan art. Let's try that and see what pops up. But yeah. If you look at images, okay, how many images are there right now? Let me see, Google. Uh, it's not giving me a number of how many, but in infinite scrolls, infinite scrolls of Mona Lisa as uh, uh, the Game of Thrones Daenerys. Um, I'm going to post these all on my Patreon because these are hilarious, but... Um, uh, Mona Lisa as the Joker. Mona Lisa as, um, I think Legos is one, a duck. Um, people um, trying to do, um, transforming themselves into the Mona Lisa, taking the Mona Lisa and doing it, um, interpreting, interpreting it in different um, forms of art as Sia. What it, I feel like, um, I don't think Aura is lost with the invention of the photograph or Photoshop or whatever. I think it's become a new way of appreciating it. Um, because I think with photo artists, um, uh, having maybe maybe down the line having the original photoshop file become the new art piece the new um authentic thing but while um i just don't i just don't think it loses its aura um 
yes, um, everyone can have a copy of Kenan's World or Brendan Waffle, Waffle, Waffle D. I need to look him up because I really like him. But I think the reason why I bring up Brendan is because um, he has his prints for sale. And so, hold on, I'm about to type it in my phone. But yeah, I just, um, maybe maybe the, the actual, because um, there is no original copy anymore, right? There isn't. Um, there's multiple copies of exactly the thing that you want and everyone can have it. So in a certain way, yes, you can't charge millions of dollars for it because literally it's mass produced and everyone can have it. But that doesn't mean that these artists don't take the time to um make these works of art you know they don't um it's still a time-consuming process and it is kind of sad they don't get to sell these i guess as expensive or maybe it's a good thing that art has now become um commonplace enough that people can um everyone can have a work of art everyone can enjoy the work of art man maybe his name's not brennan because i'm typing brennan and it's not coming up hold on brandon Yes. Okay. Brandon Wolfell. Okay. I'm just gonna spell it out. It's Brandon and then W O E W O L. So W O E L F E L. Brandon Wolfell. Yeah. So he's a photographer from New York. Um, he has two point nine million followers on his photography account. Um, over eight hundred k followers on his personal account, and yeah, he sells his prints, although it's not in his Instagram um, URL. I know he sells his prints, so I think he even has a book um, of his prints. Uh, but yeah, right now his Instagram link is uh, brandonwolfel.com. Ah, maybe I can find it there. Slash um, the gear that he uses. Oh, and that is another interesting thing about photo artists is the gear and um, the presets that they use. So I think a really common thing with photo artists and how they make money is that they sell presets, meaning like Lightroom presets or maybe Photoshop presets as well. Basically where you can, it's like a filter, like an Instagram filter or a Visco filter that you can use in Lightroom or Photoshop and get the same coloring, the same um, depth or uh, style of their uh, Instagram or their photos. And so that's an interesting thing too, is that it's not just an abstract period or an impressionist period or a Renaissance period where all the art is, um, mimicked, mimicked in the same way. Um, you know, the same, um, realism or the same not realism or the same postmodernism, whatever like people just imitate this style it's like everyone has their own style that you can also replicate for a for a very low price and sometimes there's discounts um but yeah so he um he has all the gear that he uses on amazon and i, and I have no doubt if you buy these through amazon through his links he probably gets a percentage i don't know if that's true i don't want to make any judgment but a lot of people have amazon stores now and uh you can you can be um bought on amazon let me see no i don't know maybe not because there's not like he doesn't have like an instagram store regardless i'm on his website right now brandon woelful i love him so much his 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 photo his photo editing skills and photography skills are amazing you really have to check him out um but yeah photo book yes okay so he has a photo book um and it's called luminescence 
and it is a 218 photographs printed in full color from Brandon Wolliful. Um, Photographs have been artfully curated by Brandon and consist of his best of published work and numerous unpublished photos. So you can get this um, basically essentially a coffee table book for $39.99. Uh, and I have not bought it because I don't have money for that. I don't even have a nice enough coffee table that I would want to put books on. But yeah, it's not just this book. Um, he has wall art. Oh, sorry. This is not his wall art. Let me go back to his actual Instagram. Or sorry, his actual website. Because he sells his book through um, this this company called uh, Thought Catalog? shop catalog? I don't know. Anyway, so he also has, um, you can probably hear the snap of my iPhone. He has before and afters on his website. Oh, that's just so cool. Um, just to see, um, the before and afters. Like, I think it's really, I think it's really beautiful. I think it is some sort of, it is a form of art, uh, Photoshop manipulation these days. It is a form of art. And yes, while it can make you thinner or you can, it can get rid of your acne or it can make it look like you're at a different background. And that is uh, a whole nother maybe podcast conversation. But right now, I just want to talk about the appreciation I have for these um, photo artists and the way that they change the colors on their images, the way they brighten certain things. And it, it, it creates a whole different vibe. Um, this this idea of filter, the filter generation, um, is really coming to fruition in this um in in what I consider I think it is a high art form really it's really coming through in I guess the 21st century digital um art space and let's see partnerships let's see and that's the thing I think about artists these days is that them and brands and companies go hand in hand so um in the olden days uh princes and kings would um sponsor um painters and artists and sculptors to um, create masterpieces for them. So self-portraits of the um, the king's family, so self-pictures or self-paintings of the, um, the royal family or, um, you know, like, uh, what else? Like they paint like churches or, you know, the ceilings of churches. I'm just thinking of things in Italy because that's where I saw a lot of art. Um, but yeah, nowadays, um, there is no more kings and queens and princes that uh, uh, sponsor or pay these artists to create art. Instead, it's brands. And it doesn't even have to be a brand, really. They can just do it on their own without the help of brands. But once I think you hit a certain <laughs> certain threshold with your popularity, then um, you start getting brand deals. And I think, honestly, that's when you've made it <laughs> in a certain way because... Um, we are all victims of consumerism and we all use products and I don't think it's a bad thing to get sponsored by someone that you already use and I think that is the modern day king and queen brands and companies which is honestly on one hand a terrifying thing to think of because it's all run by capitalism and money but then is that better than the days where the whole world was run by kings and queens and the only um, real works of art produced was maybe like religious base or um, political base or whatever. Anyway, so partnerships, um, thought catalog, 
I think that's where that's, he sells his book. Ooh, he has a partnership with Apple. What does that mean? I don't know what that means, but it says Apple and there's partnerships. Um, Nikon, BuzzFeed. I don't understand what this partnership means though, because it's just like, it's just like his photos and not necessarily what he's promoting. Or maybe, I don't know. I've never looked at his website. Like I'm literally doing this, like I said, off the cuff today and just looking, um, I'm just, I'm this, uh, this is the first time I've ever seen this, but yeah. So he's also sponsored or partnered with, um, Macy's and how, how ironic, um, and how fitting, maybe not ironic, how, um, this all really ties in together with his partnership with Macy's. He's at Coachella and there's all these beautiful Instagram influencers and models. I think I recognize Alexa Losi. I'm so bad at remembering and pronouncing names, but I recognize her face. I'm guessing they're just all wearing Macy's clothing and they look beautiful and wonderful together in their Coachella vibes. Um, and it's funny. It's so funny to me because the reason why it's, um, I think another reason why I wanted to get on talking about this whole Coachella thing, let's get rid of this, go, let's go back to Coachella, I guess, is um, one of my brother's friends, um, actually, I think his name is Ryan. Yeah, Ryan, um, R-Y.ci. He probably will never listen to this, never know I'm talking about him. But yeah, he was one of the, also one of the main influences why I wanted to talk about Coachella because he posted a photo of himself at Coachella um, with the caption reminding y'all that you can't trust anything on this app. And it's him um, standing in front of those iconic tents. Um, and then it's it's one of those slideshows where like the next photo is like um, just some, I don't know, maybe he took this or maybe he got it off of google but like him cleaning his glasses or just like a hand cleaning glasses and then the next photo is showing a bunch of people around him so he didn't take out all the people around him but he took out this guy that was shirtless and this girl that was walking that were really close to him he photoshopped them out and i didn't even i didn't even notice i didn't even notice that they weren't in the photo until he pointed it out and of course, captions provide a lot of anchorage when it comes to photos. Um, that's another thing we learned in media studies. But yeah, um, it is such a reminder, like seeing the before and after of these photo artists um, that, yeah, um, not everything you see on the internet, not everything, but a lot of things aren't necessarily really authentic or true. And maybe in, the, in that sort of sense, we lose Aura. I don't even think so because like the, I'm looking at my notes now like aura is like the feeling of awe and reverence and I still think that is very much alive in the Instagram world almost even more so um, um this feeling of almost like jealousy but that's not that's nothing to do with like visual visual, <laughs> visual technologies and that sort of aura thing um but yeah, like Benamin, he he talked about, and I guess in a book or article or like called Work of Art in 1936, he was the one that was kind of saying that, you know, um, photo, photo, uh, photo, <laughs> photographs went through a transformation, gaining flexibility and losing aura. But um, what Professor Jackson has um, said that as it turns out, um, there is not necessarily a loss of aura, um, um, 
the the Benamin kind of believed that um, with this loss of Ara, um, people were consuming less art, and the authentic authenticity will and Ara will be eliminated with photographs. But as it turns out, Ara has intensified. Uh, pop culture, mechanical reproduction, such as photography, printmaking, etc., opens up access. Um, it doesn't necessarily replace value. Um, people still want to see Mona Lisa in real life because it's such a big part of their lives. And I think that is the beauty of the internet and the digital age. If we didn't have the internet, in this 21st century, I probably wouldn't know that much about Italy or even even China for the matter. Even though I'm Chinese American, I was born here, so I wouldn't even I still don't even know that much about it. But with a quick Google and a quick Wikipedia read, um, you can learn about it and you can become obsessed with it, and then you want to see it in real life. Uh, um, and then, so Aura has intensified, and there is an aestheticization. I cannot talk today. There is an aestheticization of politics. So, mechanical reproduction, he says, can serve as a propaganda function, a vehicle for political uh, messaging. Uh, Benjamin witnessed this in Nazi. Oh, sorry. This is not what Professor Jackson said. This is another thing that Benjamin has believed. I have not read these notes in a while, by the way. So, anyway, um, this this is not flowing very well. But yeah, so uh, Benjamin uh, believed there was a loss of aura. Turns out, aura has intensified. And secondly, he believed that there is an uh, aestheticization. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word of politics, meaning that um, this uh, photographs can kind of serve as a propaganda function, and that is, I think, very true. Still, in a certain way, um, Benjamin he witnessed this in Nazi Germany, and I think we are coming to a new age where we still have this belief that um, seeing an image, seeing a photograph, I think our brains just haven't evolved enough because we can't spot the differences automatically, right? So if you are a photo artist, a very genuinely good photo artist, you can probably spot out... um, um, issues with a photo a photo that is manipulated so this one guy I cannot remember his name he also faked going to Coachella and uh well let's see if I can find him Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. he faked going to Ch- Coachella basically and he um photoshopped some people in the background and yeah it turned out that he um um uh did two people twice so he f- he photoshopped two people into the um, Instagram twice and people caught on. They're like, why are there two people wearing the same thing in the same position in your background? And so that's how he got caught. But um, so that's kind of an easy one. Um, but, you know, real photo artists can tell if you um, crop out someone um, not properly, you can zoom in and see that their loose hairs are cropped out in a different way. Um, a lot of the Kardashians get called out or caught photoshopping. Um, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, yes, I know. I do know where I'm going with this. Okay, so yes, um, our brains have not necessarily evolved enough to catch these photoshop these photo artists or photo um, 
propaganda machines in a certain way. We just, we, our eyes are just not trained enough to really tell the difference, I would say. And that, I think, if we want to get a little dark and deep, is the danger of um, the world that we live in right now. Because it's not only photos. Um, photos maybe um, is a little either easier, I would say, to manipulate. But um, film is also very easy to manipulate. Uh, things can be taken out. Things can be edited out. Edited out. Things can be edited to to make it seem like a faster pace. To make things seem that they come one after another to a point where we believe that that is the true story. Um, but I think we recognize the editing in film and we kind of accept that in terms of like slicing. I think slicing series of videos together. But after watching Shane Dawson's conspiracy theory um, documentary on YouTube about deep fakes, where you can nowadays uh, take someone's face and put it on someone's body and change their voice to sound like their voice. So I talked about this, I don't remember which podcast episode, but basically there's these things called deep fakes where, for example, someone puts Selena Gomez's body on a porn star's body and um, did her whole voice too. Um, and yeah, that circulated on the internet saying that um, Selena Gomez was caught doing porn, etc. But that was easily debunked because people found the real porn uh, video and, you know, they found and then the real porn um, um, artists or porn actor she actually watched Shane's video and then messaged him being like yeah that was me and I um when someone showed me this I felt almost horrified because um for one she thinks of it or I mean it is her work she is an art um actress in a certain way and she felt bad for Selena Gomez because um there are currently no really laws against this sort of thing um but that is almost sort of a, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it, it's a harmless deep fake, but in terms of the extent um, to which deep fakes can go, it is very dangerous. So, Kean Peel, Key Peel, I, 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 like I said, I, I did not um, write a script for this, but Kean Peel, I think you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, he did the Get Out. He, I think he produced or directed the Get Out um, um, horror film, uh, which was really good. Um, and he's from Kean Peel, the Comedy Century show. Um, anyway, the he. He basically did a deep fake pretending to be um, Barack Obama. And... Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, free downloading apps that you can um, do to make your voice sound like Barack Obama's voice. Like, there's tons of them. I can't think of them right now. Hope I'll do some research after I do this podcast and put it in my reference links. But yeah, you can manipulate voice to sound like Barack Obama. But he not only did that, he manipulated his face to look like Barack Obama. And when I was watching the video on Shane Dawson's conspiracy video um, documentary, um, I thought it was Barack Obama until the very end where he sort of quote-unquote broke character and says some things that Barack Obama would not necessarily say and in a um, tone of speech that he's not necessarily known for and then he reveals that it is not Obama it is him so if if we can sort of 
um, go through a hypothetical um, scenario. What if you lived in a country, say um, North Korea, where the media is very limited and what you consume in terms of media is curated by the government? Um, I can definitely see the horrific danger, um, especially with the easy or easeability or whatever of being able to create these deep fakes. Um, You could show your people um, Trump hating on North Koreans or, you know, any Putin, whatever, any any big political leader um, saying things that they aren't necessarily known for saying, but you would never really know that if all the media that you consume is just what you get from the government. Um, and so, yes, photographs, Photoshop, video editing, uh, videos, um, deep fakes, all of this um, mechanical reproduction, this digital technologies in the wrong hands or even in the hands of someone who is trying to make a joke or a prank is is very dangerous so while a faking going to coachella is funny to us um especially because you know gabby gets a youtube video out of it if you take that to the complete opposite opposite side of the spectrum where it's not no longer a joke but a method to influence your thoughts your beliefs um your perception of the world because in a certain way gabby did that to me but it was such a minuscule small thing like it did not affect my life at all and when i found out i just laughed and was like wow props to you on pranking me really hard um but what if that was your whole life what if mechanical um, reproduction, not that, um, photo and video manipulation was your whole life and you never saw anything that was true? But then if I say that, um, what is true is also just really, really hard to pinpoint and define these days. And that... Um, that is why I kind of make a prediction if virtual reality ever gets taken, gets its feet off the ground, if we ever get to have that burst of energy um, that or technolo- technological advancements in virtual reality um, where that I feel like that is the next step in terms of not only um, dangerous manipulation, but maybe also uh, a bit of truth. If we can somehow get the um, camera system um, um, in consumers' hands and into such a high quality, and uh, if we can get the headsets cheaper and in such a good quality that people can just place a camera on the floor, place it whatever, and they can see a 360 space and that feels real. There's no um, editing necessarily. There's no um, real manipulation. That would be... I feel the next step to authenticity, but I think that is a definitely a hundred year milestone. I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon unless the next, um, I don't know, Steve Jobs, um, Wozniak um, combo come around and innovate the phone, the cell phone, like they did with the smartphone. If we have some sort of geniuses innovating VR into the next big thing, maybe that will happen.
Anyway, we are at uh, 48 minutes now for me. Um, I still have to film the intro, but I'll make it really short for this episode. I really like doing episodes like this where it's just me talking and not doing so much research. I think for the first five episodes of this podcast, I was very nervous and had um, a lot of trouble trying to find my voice. And uh, with this episode, it came out a lot easier and um, I'll probably bring my podcast voice back. Um, I just wanted to try an episode without my podcast voice. Um, I really don't know how this is going to sound because like I said, I don't have my headphones in and I can see the um, voice um, um, sparks or the, 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 like, you know, like a heartbeat. It's like, I can see, um, the spikes in my voice. So I, I'm, I apologize if some of this audio is a bit too loud for your ears. Um, but yeah, since we're at about 50 minutes now, I'm trying to think of a second sincere shout out since we only did one, um, this episode, what's another one? Hmm. Let me look around. What, what do I see around that? I really, really like, Oh, let's talk about this mic. Um, in case you guys are wondering what mic I use, because a lot of you um, say that you really like the quality that comes out of it. It's like one of the cheapest um, recording mics out there. So I have the Blue Snowball. Um, I don't even have the Blue Snowball Ice, which is um, gives you like different settings, like mono, stereo, whatever. I don't really necessarily need that since it's just me recording my voice. I don't necessarily have partners. I'm not necessarily recording music. So I got like the cheaper version of the Blue Snowball. Um, it's a little it's a little snowball. It doesn't look like your regular mic. Um, but yeah, it, it, it produces great quality. And I would have to say, if you do get this mic or any mic in general, please invest in a pop filter. It's that little, um, circular flat thing that you oftentimes see when people are recording audio. It really gets rid of a lot of the, um, <laughs> noises. Although I see the spike that probably, that probably really spiked my audio, but yeah, it gets a lot of the, those noises out of your um mic uh so yeah that was my second sincere shout out of the day i really like just recording and just not and not stopping which is really ironic because when i first started the podcast i felt like i had to have a very um i had to stop and start and stop and start to give myself breaks from talking but honestly that just gave me more work in terms of editing so for this i can just kind of upload it and I'm kind of scared to do it because this is very different from the first five episodes of this podcast and I hope you guys like it more um honestly anyway let's do a quick um a quick what do I do oh yeah I do media obsessions I don't even know my own podcast uh let's do a quick media obsessions uh wrap up so I have been Okay, so I finished binge watching New Girl, and so I have been currently binge watching Amazing Race. So I found out that Tyler Oakley and Corey Cool, two of my favorite YouTuber influencer um, people, um, are on the Amazing Race again. So they're doing a reality showdown where people from Survivor, Big Brother, and Amazing Race um, veterans, they're all coming together and doing a 
big amazing race um reunion in a certain way um but yeah they were on season i don't know a couple seasons ago and that's when i i like religiously watched amazing race because of them too so if they ever listen to this podcast they have a podcast by the way called psychobabble you should definitely check it out it's really good but yeah they were literally the reason why i i I never keep up with tv um, so like Modern Family, Bob's Burgers, I'll just wait until it's on Hulu to watch it. But I literally, I think I downloaded the CBS app or like I logged into like my dad's cable service and watched it live every week. Um, I think this was in 2015 when they were on it and I just loved it. I mean, Amazing Race is in general one of my favorite reality shows. Um, like I'm not really a big bachelor fan or keeping up with the kardashians or i mainly just watch like cooking reality tv shows and then i really like travel but not like survivor i don't know amazing race if i could if i could pick a um a uh <laughs> a reality show to be on it would be amazing race oh i'm running out of time i need i need to quicken this up um but yeah so i've been watching that there there is a new season out and the um the um, episodes actually come out every Wednesday, um, 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Central. And so I will definitely be watching that tonight. And so uh, not only have I been like keeping up with the episodes of the latest season, I've currently gone back and started watching old seasons. And man, I am I am down a rabbit hole, man. So I already finished season 19. I, I started at season 19 um, because I was going to start at season one, but like the, it's been going it's been on air for so long that the first season like the video quality is for one it's in a square and it's just it's just too grainy for my millennial eyes and I just couldn't I was like no I need to I need to skip down until 19 seasons to where they actually got good cameras to film this this stuff so yeah started at season 19 finished that season it was amazing now I'm on season 20 almost done with that so that's where a lot of my media obsessions has been lately. Um, I also finished the third Artemis Fowl book. Artemis Fowl is just so easy to read for me. It is scarily easy. Um, uh, it's it's not even that difficult of a read, honestly. Like I would compare it to reading The Hunger Games. Like I would say The Hunger Games was not necessarily a really hard read. Like it's 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 a young adult novel. But yeah, I, I just I love I love the Artemis Fowl series so much, and I talked about. I spent a whole podcast episode talking about Artemis Fowl's previous episode, if you want to go listen to it. But yeah, finished the third book. It was amazing. Gonna go work on the fourth book. Um, and then uh, probably, at least maybe within the next four weeks or so, I still have to buy the last two or three books. But yeah, I'll be done with the entire series and I'll be very ready to watch the Disney-produced uh, Artemis Fowl film. What else have I been digging? In terms of music, not too much. I've been listening to my um, OG podcasts. I always listen to these podcasts, but I have not mentioned them on this podcast. Um, I always listen to This Might Get. It's a podcast with Mamrie Hart and Grace Helbig. They're two YouTubers. Um, Grace Helbig also has her own podcast, Not Too Deep. I do like to listen to that as well. But yeah, This Might Get is just literally them shooting the stuff, um, talking about their weekend, talking about their life, and they are comedians, and they're so hilarious, and they make a bunch of funny puns, and they're just, it's a really good listen, um, and I also listen to Views with David Dobrik and Jason Nash, I literally have not missed an episode, 
in case you can't tell, um, the literally the only podcasts that I really consume are YouTuber podcasts, which I know I really need to branch out my horizons, maybe consume some podcasts that are a bit more informational, but man, I just, for one, there's just so little time in the day and I really just like to, um, zone out with a comedic podcast so yeah the views views um with david dobrik and jason nash is also a very hilarious podcast um so yeah i've been listening to those two artemis fell amazing race oh and i guess we can end with this um i just and this is actually a really good one to end with so i just um I literally binged the whole thing. I watched all of You with Penn Bagley, Shay Mitchell. Um, it's basically, um, so Penn Bagley, um, he's he's Dan from Gossip Girl. And if you haven't watched Gossip Girl, Dan ends up being, turns out Dan is Gossip Girl. He's the one that's been writing all the gossip. And like, it, it's kind of a, I don't really like that ending of Gossip Girl because it, it leaves so many holes. Like, how in the world was Dan available for all these moments um, to write about them in Gossip Girl? Like, the timing just does not add up. So I really hated that they ended up making him Gossip Girl. Anyway, you takes that to a whole different level to where you see um, Penn. Um, his name is Joe. And he's he's he stalks this girl, oh God, named Beck. And yeah, you see him in the house, you see him steal her phone, walk on the street, like stalking her. It is insane. It's basically Dan to the next level. And I really like him because it it, it it fills in all the holes. And the reason why I feel like this is a good one to end with is because um, it kind of goes back into the whole thing that I've been talking about this whole podcast episode, how our social media lives are not the lives that we are currently living. Because he often, like every time he kills someone, Oh man, I don't want to give away too much because this is a recent show. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend seeing it. And yeah, I mean, anyway, so he does kill some people. I'm not gonna tell you who he kills, but um, he always like steals their phone and um, posts on their social media to make it seem like they're still alive. And yeah, in a nutshell, that is social media, folks. Um, It is a highly curated version of our world. It's not real life. And that is something um, that you should remember. Um, Because if Joe from you can steal your phone and pretend to be you while you're dead, um, that really, really is an indication that your social media is not real life. So anyone... Um, if you get jealous or FOMO or just think your life is not significant because you don't have those Coachella festival pics and you don't have, um, these photo artists to take photos of you, uh, don't worry because the people who those, these influencers and all these people, um, who live those kind of lives, um, it's not their real life. They, are, they also have their own problems, their own issues, and they go through life like the rest of us. They're not perfect human beings, and that's something I really have to remember uh, when we have these, um, these social media technologies. 
So yeah, that is the whole podcast, folks. I cannot believe how easy this one was. Um, this was so much easier than the, than planning it out. And I really hope you like um, this version of Daisy Stays, the podcast. So uh, quickly, um, we're going to do the outro and then stay tuned for a quick poem um, because we are at one hour now. So I really hope I have enough memory on my Blueberry podcasting hosting service to upload this great all right uh love y'all thanks for listening hope you have a daisyish day Hello, my poetry enthusiast field daisies. So I decided to bring my podcast voice back for this poem because, um, yeah, I just wanted to do it. Uh, so the poem I am reading today is The Orange by Wendy Cope. It is one of my all-time favorite poems, and the reason why I want to read it today is because... It portrays real life in a certain way, and I think we've talked a lot about how social media and the digital media is not necessarily real life. Doing it for the gram is is really a thing, but this poem is just so simple. It's so beautiful. It's about a woman um, eating an orange, sharing it, and just doing things that are in her life. And it was it's 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 a beautiful poem. So, uh, without further ado, the orange. By Wendy Cope. At lunchtime, I bought a huge orange. The size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters, and I had a half. And that orange, it made me so happy, as ordinary things often do just lately. The shopping, a walk in the park, this is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all the jobs on my list and enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you. I'm glad I exist. <laughs>